0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Masters of Community podcast. My name is David Spinks, founder of CMX and VP of Community at Bevy. Each week, I bring you an expert who will help you take your community to the next level. Thank you so much for joining me. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey, everyone, I just want to give you a quick heads up that my new book, The Business of Belonging How to Make Community Your Competitive Advantage, is now available anywhere where you can buy books on Amazon and any bookstore. It is the complete collection of everything I've learned from the last 13 years and how to build community for your business and all of the frameworks and models that the CMX team has developed to teach businesses how to do this work. It's all in here. I really appreciate all your support. You can go and order it now. I just want to give you all a heads up that CMX Summit Rise 2021, our theme this year is Rise, is now open for registration. Already over a 1,000 people have registered in just the first few days. So we're seeing a ton of people coming out who are now interested in the world of community-driven business. We have an incredible lineup of speakers and experts this year. People like Greg Eisenberg from Late Checkout, Sahil Lavingia, Holly Firestone from Venify. Some really incredible people, some of the top experts in the world of community and business. And we have tons more to be announced. We'll have over 60 different speakers This is the first year as well that all of our workshops are going to be completely free for everybody to sign up. So you'll be able to go deep into how to build your communities in a better, more impactful way. It's going to be the biggest event we've ever hosted at CMX. Just go to cmxhub.com slash summit and you can RSVP for free today. We can't wait to see you all there. Today's interview is with Joshua Zirkel, who is an industry veteran in the world of community. He led community at Evernote, and now he's been at Asana for three and a half years, building up the community team from the ground up there. We go really in the weeds in this one. We dive deep into the different kinds of programs that they run. That includes both forums and events. He talks about why he thinks we need to stop thinking about community as just forums. It's so much bigger than that. He shares exactly how his team is structured, the different kinds of objectives and metrics that they're tracking. We talk about reporting. It's a really deep dive into one of the most advanced community programs out there, it looks like. You'll get a lot of very practical advice and a lot of tools that you can now bring back to your own communities from this one. Enjoy. Let's dive in. We're working really hard on this podcast to bring you the top community experts in the world every single week. We really appreciate you listening. And it would be a huge help if you could just hit subscribe and go on to Spotify and Apple. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And please drop us a review. It really helps our podcast rise up in the rankings and make sure that more people are learning about community. Thanks so much. Josh, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks so much for having me, David. Really great to be here. Hello, everybody.
0: (laughs) Very excited for this. We've known each other a very long time. You're a community OG who's built community programs at a number of different cool companies like Evernote and Asana. Why don't we just kick off? Can you just share a little bit about your background and community and the kind of work that you've done over the years?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Josh. I lead the global engagement marketing program here at Asana, which includes lifecycle and community. Prior to Asana, I led community at Evernote, where we started with a handful of people and grew up to the tens of thousands. Super exciting. Prior to that, I was a professional organizer and I led our national association, National Association of Professional Organizers. Yes, it is a mouthful, where we have the most successful chapter here in San Francisco. I really love bringing people together, especially around a topic that they feel really passionate about. I'm just lucky that I get to do that professionally
0: all that's drawn to community, we finally get paid to just connect with people and build relationships. I remember the first I realized that it was like one of the biggest aha moments of my life and career. I was like, wait, a company will pay me to do these things that I've been doing anyway online? Mm -hmm. Did you have that moment at some point in your career? Because you also started in like design, right?
1: Yeah, I've had many lives over the years and multiple different careers. And I feel really fortunate in that I am the type of person where I don't really want to spend my daytime, like the bulk of my working time, doing something that I'm not excited about. And so I I did start my career in design early in the original tech boom in San Francisco. And I really loved that work. But it led me down a surprising path where I ended up working with other designers to help them get organized. Because oftentimes, creatives have a hard time coming up with their own systems, tools, and processes. And I just happened to have a knack for that. And that led me me to becoming a professional organizer. At the same time, I was also pursuing a career in journalism. And so, with both of those groups, I was also fostering communities on the professional organizing side with my own professional association that I previously mentioned. And on the journalism side, I was a producer at CBS here in San Francisco, and I led our consumer unit. And within that division. I curated a group of volunteers to help answer consumer questions from people who would call in that were having problems. So I've been really lucky that I've been able to curate different types of communities throughout my entire professional life. But in the past decade, I've really been doing that as the main thing that I do.
0: So you did it in like the journalism space, Evernote was more of a consumer application, and then Asana now B2B community. What's been like the biggest difference between all the different kinds of community programs that you've run? Do you find that they're very different and they're completely different kinds of programs? Or are they like the same fundamentals with just slight differences?
1: They're really different, I'd say. The fundamentals are there of people are passionate about a core thing. Without having that core thing, at Evernote, it was the Evernote product. At Asana, it's the product, but also what it helps teams achieve. When I was a journalist, it was about helping people solve problems. That core nugget has to be there. But beyond that, how the communities and the programs themselves looked and worked were really different. So for instance, at CBS, the group of volunteers that I put together to help answer consumer questions were motivated by very different things than people who were fans of Evernote that were trying to solve productivity challenges and wanted to geek out on the tools. And Mm so the systems and the programs and what was in the programs themselves Really needed to vary to meet the needs of the individuals that were part of each program. The motivation of wanting to help and wanting to connect, I think, is the key thread that runs through all of them, though. People really wanted to connect with others that were in a similar mind space or passionate about a similar thing or that wanted to solve a similar problem. And tying those threads together is really the crux of what's at each of the individual programs that I was able to curate.
0: Right. And the industries change a lot since you first started doing this work, how have you seen community change in terms of the level of buy-in or the maturity of the kinds of programs since your early days building community?
1: The first days that I was building community, people thought that I was like a labor organizer. And when I would tell them that I was organizing communities, that, that was their first go-to. In the years since then, especially in the world of business and especially in the world of tech, there's increasing awareness that building a community, having a thriving community is becoming an essential part of every business. Most businesses are aware that people are tired of being sold to, they understand the power of advocacy. I work on the marketing side, so a lot of my work is centered around what's the go-to-market motion and how can community help support that and reflect what our customers actually want and need. So there's definitely increased buy-in, there's increased resources. I remember... When I started doing community at CBS, the resources were like a non-starter. Like, you've got you, figure it out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Evernote, I had a bit more. And at Asama, I've been really thrilled and excited to have resources, including building an entire team all around the world to help support the community that we're building here at Asana. So I would say when I talk to new people who, or people who are new to the community space or companies that are at the beginning of their community journey and wanting to build one, The way I frame it is the world of the profession of community managers and community professionals is kind of like where the world of customer success was maybe 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. When customer success was this new thing, some companies had it. Oftentimes, decision makers didn't quite get it. They'd heard that it was a thing that they might want to have, but didn't necessarily want to resource it. And now we're at the point where every company, especially in the world of tech and SaaS, has a customer success department, and it's not even a question. Yeah. But I think we're on that continuum. The difference is community, because it can mean so many different things to so many different people, and because community programs themselves can sit in many different parts of an organization and try to accomplish many different types of goals, that makes it harder to pin down the value of community across the board for all companies. Yes. We're still at the point... At least my perception of it is that we're still trying to figure out broadly what we as professionals define community as. And it may be many things. I don't think we know.
0: Yeah. I was going to ask you too, something that's top of mind for me is where community sits within the organization. And like you look at customer success and now there are customer success orgs. For the most part, companies will have a customer success department. And maybe it's a customer department or customer support department, but that exists. Where do you see community fitting within organizations today? or Where do you think it should fit?
1: So I've seen community programs fit usually under one of three areas. And depending on the area in which they sit, that will really affect everything about the program, what its goals are, how they're staffed, how they're measured. So I've seen them sit under sales as more of like a a partner, go-to-market motion from that side. I've seen them sit under support. So usually as an extension of user operations or support, often in the form of community forums, which we can talk about why I think that's a reductive way to look at community later. And sometimes under marketing, which is where my team sits, where we're looked at as an extension of the marketing arm of the company. And so for me, like I'm a marketer at heart. I, I came out of the world of design. I think about how a brand is expressed out in the world. And I think there's no better expression of a brand than the people who are most excited about it amongst your customers and my team's job is to help connect those customers to us and to each other to foster that excitement and that love and give them the tools that they want so that they can better connect with each other and advocate on our behalf
0: do you think community should ever be its own department
1: i don't know i mean it is a department here i mean like i have my own team we do sit under marketing but it is one of the pillars within marketing just as brand is just as pr and comms are if should it be its own like c suite department I don't know. I think it would really depend on the organization. I've been in many organizations now where we've had community and I've never really had a problem making what I need to have happen. Yeah. I think where it's and the level at which it sits is less important than the savvy of the person who's leading it and the excitement of the community that's being built to drive things forward. Yeah, Having a different spot in the org or a bigger pillar probably would help for visibility but one of the things that I think I drive my team crazy with, frankly, is how important the art of internal PR is for community work. Yeah. And even if I were a C-suite exec, I don't think I would change how we do internal PR. Like I'm constantly talking with my team about what are some great stories we can pull out of the community to share internally. Yeah. What are some events that people are running externally from our community members where we can showcase how our community is reflecting Asana's values out in the world. So I always want to showcase what we're doing internally, regardless of my own level or my team's level within the company. Yeah. And the response is always really phenomenal internally when they see our customers who, frankly, most people at any company never interact with, when they get to see what customers are actually doing and how excited they are about our product and what they're able to achieve with Asana, that's where I think the company really gets behind what we're doing with community.
0: Yeah, you have to take a proactive approach to making sure people know what's happening in community. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of times teams struggle because they just like want people to care about community, but the rest of the company doesn't have visibility into it and they're doing what they're doing. They're doing sales, they're doing design, they're doing marketing, they're doing other things. So it's your job to make that clear. I want to dive into that a little more, but to wrap up on on kind of the department, to your point, and this is something I talk about a lot too, is whatever department the community sits under, the community team sits under. Is going to really influence the kind of objectives it works toward and where it can kind of have impact for the organization. So, in this example, if you're under marketing, what if you did want to launch a customer support forum or do like a product feedback community or something like that? Do you feel like it's difficult to do that because it's not going to roll up into marketing goals?
1: I don't think so. And here's why when I came to Asana, I did a roadshow of all the stakeholders within the company to get their idea of what community could and should be and how it might impact their team's work, even if they weren't within marketing. And I explained to them, here, I'm going to be in marketing, but here are ways that I might be able to help your team. So for instance, on the product side, I met with some leaders and I said, once we have a community of people, you'll be able to pull from this group. These people are really excited about the product. And you'll be able to ask them what they think about new features that are coming, get their feedback on UI designs. On the go to market side, I can say to these folks that are on product marketing, Hey, if you want feedback on messaging around what we're thinking about for this new product launch, here's a pool of people you can ask. So I think when we look at adding these different goals and pillars within a community program, you have to do the roadshow to explain to other people why this is of value. The fact that I sit in marketing. I've never found it to be a problem in moving these things forward. It's more so getting buy-in from my stakeholders that are in different parts of the company so that they see what the value could be so that they can then partner with me to get the resources to move some of these things forward. Just as an example, we ran a pilot where within our community, we have ambassadors and certified pros. Certified pros are people that consult on Asana. We ran a pilot where for customers of a certain type, that would never work with a customer success person, we offered them an hour with a certified pro so that they could get a walkthrough of their Asana instance to answer their questions. And this was done in partnership with customer success, with customer support, so that we could make sure that customers were getting helped in the way that would best suit their needs without adding additional resources to the customer success team. And so I work in marketing, but that's a completely different department. And by sharing what the value of our program can offer, it's really how we get buy-in for that sort of thing. So I don't think it's impossible to make that happen. You just have to know how to navigate your org. And moreover, you need to show what the value is that your community and your program can offer to these teams that frankly may not know much about what a community program is or what it can do. I think there's an assumption that like, hey, I work in community, everyone's excited about this. I think that's a very dangerous assumption to make because many people think, well, community is just there to have fun. Like those people, I see pictures of those events. That just looks like they're there to do fun things. Yeah. And that is a piece of it.
0: I mean, we are having fun.
1: We do have fun. (laughs) Like community is really fun. Ideally, if we're not having fun, we probably shouldn't be doing it. But in an ideal world, like a big part of community is you get enjoyment from creating events for people, like bringing people together. And that is one very visible piece of community work. And that's often what people outside your team may see. The only thing you see if you don't do a lot of internal PR. Mm -hmm. And so your job then becomes explaining to these other teams like, hey, you see these pictures, that's only one part of our work. Here are other things that we can do and other ways that we can help further your goals and your work. It's really about understanding what they're trying to achieve and mapping what you have with community to what they can do or what they want to do.
0: That makes sense from the perspective of getting others bought into the value of community to them. I'm curious, how does that jive with your own personal objectives or metrics that you're accountable to? Like, what are you accountable to at the end of the quarter, end of the half? You do a performance review. Like, what is the impact on the business that you are responsible for?
1: Yeah, good question. So here at Asana, we look at our metrics and through two lenses. One is uh, program health. So How many members have joined our membership programs? How many people are attending our events? How many events we're holding around the world? So things that look at more of like what's happening with the program itself. Then we also look at what are our business impact metrics? So even though we're in marketing, we look at influence on pipeline. So sales, we look at how much revenue has come in from our affiliate program. We look at, especially on the membership side, what's the reach of member-created content? how many members are hosting their own events and what's the reach of those. So things, again, I said in marketing that are very marketing-oriented. Okay. And we look at both of those because both are important. You can't have business impact without program health. Sure. But there's no point in having a program if you don't have business impact. Yeah. So we look at both of those together.
0: So you're not accountable to, you're not reporting on something like product feedback or customer success, even though you are driving that value?
1: We report on all of those things.
0: You report on it. Is that like what your team's accountable to though? You just do it?
1: No, we're not accountable to that. Here's why. There is no one thing that will make a customer successful with a product that's complicated like a sum. It's a combination of things. So that's why we show impact. So we show impact on engagement, impact on retention, impact on revenue, because they could have a great experience with the community. But if they really don't like a feature or their business has shrunk, There's not much that we can do on the community side to change what their perception of the tool is. Mm -hmm. So we have an impact on these things, but we are not the only factor that goes into these things. Of course. There's no direct line between any one thing and the result that you might want to see in the product.
0: Yeah. I'm like diving into this more because I think it's a common challenge that community teams have as they see all this impact they can have across the different departments and different objectives and... When we do workshops with CMX, I usually recommend like, don't do that too much because you might spread yourself too thin, especially if you're like a one person team. And so it's like figuring out how much do you focus on all this value that you're not technically accountable to. And if you're not accountable to it, like will that help you get more budget and resources at the end of the day? If you're in marketing and you're speaking to metrics that aren't marketing focused, is that really helping your team achieve your goal, even if it's good for the business?
1: To me, I think it does. Because oftentimes in community, at the end of the day, like we're all trying to help propel the business forward. And if we can continue to show that our impact is not siloed in just this one marketing domain, that it's of relevance and value across the company, whether it's product feedback, or impact on messaging, or broadcasting of our marketing messages within networks that we wouldn't normally have access to, or appearances on our own media channels, or impact on pipeline, impact on engagement. All of these things are the goodness that community can do. Sure. I also understand that if you're like a one-person show, you probably should choose one or two of those. Don't choose them all. I mean, I have a pretty large team, so I'm fortunate in that we can look at all of these things together. But you don't need to start there. Like we're talking three plus years of work to get to this point where we can look and track at these things. And a full team that helps propel these initiatives forward we didn't start that way. When we started, it was me.
0: What and mentioned. I was
1: brought in to create this thing from whole cloth. Yeah. So we certainly did not start at that point.
0: So walk me through your journey. So yeah, it's been a, about three and a half years at Asana now. What did the community program look like when you first joined? And what have you built over that time?
1: So when I joined, there was no community program. There was the beginnings of a community forum, which was referred to as the community. Mm-hmm. I think community forums are important and there's so much more that's possible with community. And I was brought in specifically to create more. And so the process that I used was I first went on a listening tour, both around the company to understand what expectations were from various stakeholders of what community could be. I also listened to a lot of our customers, the most ardent advocates that we have to understand what they might want from a community program, what would make it worth their time, why would they want to be involved, and what would they expect to get out of it? And from there, I created a framework, which we now call Asana Together, which is an umbrella that includes things like our membership programs, ambassadors, certified pros, along with our events, which is the Asana Together World Tour, and by extension at the time, the community forum. I actually did not own the community forum, it was managed in the support world, but Even though that was the case, the community forum was the first place that we had groups of customers together. So I wanted to make sure that we were working really closely together in framing what this could be.
0: Do you own the forum today or it's still under support? I do
1: today. And so the interesting thing about what I think is possible with forums is that, of course, by default, it's a great place to deflect support questions. But it can also be used as a great marketing channel. It can be used to talk about new releases and get people excited. It can be a great place to foster non-product conversations. And so as the community forum got folded in over time under the marketing umbrella, we were able to add a lot of those elements in together and actually loop in members of our membership program to become leaders in the community forum. Mm -hmm. So there's a very virtuous cycle that we've seen happen. Part of why I wanted to create such a broad-based program is I really am a proponent of meeting customers where they are. Some people are forum people. Others will never go to a forum and just want to meet in person. Others want to feel like they're part of something special and exclusive, like a membership program. And so even though I often make my life more complicated and my team's life more complicated, I think it's really important to think about community expansively and think about all the different ways that your customers might want to connect with your company and with each other so that you can build these frameworks so that they have a place to do those things. And yeah, it takes person power to build all of that and make it go. I'm lucky to have a company that believes in the power of making these things happen, and so I've been resourced to do that. but I wasn't at first. It took a while to get there, and we built each thing piece by piece. And that's another strategy that I recommend is don't try to build it all at once. Build out your framework, map your plan for what you want to create, have your end state in mind, and build it bit by bit. Maybe you start with the community forum, And then add in other elements that better meet the needs of of different types or slices of your customer base. Don't assume that the form is the right thing for everybody.
0: Yeah, I was just talking about this, how it's kind of like education. Some people learn better visually, some from listening, some from reading, some from interactive education. And so you want to provide different educational formats that help people learn in different ways. Same thing. People like to connect in different ways and they'll be more comfortable in a small group or a large group, a forum, online, offline, and providing a diversity of experiences give people a diversity of different ways to participate in the community.
1: Absolutely. It's just as simple as saying like, some people want to eat salad, other people want to eat burgers. Like, Don't assume you can just shunt everyone into the salad spot. It's You have to really meet people where they are. If you want to be truly reflective of the community, That your customers represent. If you're okay with having the knowledge that you're just going to get a slice of your people, maybe you choose one platform or maybe you choose one platform at a time and add on as you go, or one element of your program as a time and you add on as you go. I want to create a spot for everybody.
0: Yeah. And so you're doing both events that are run by the community members and events that your team hosts? We are. Are those unique in the experience? Like, Why do both? What's unique about the different kinds of events that you run?
1: Yeah, good question. So my team runs around 200 events a year currently. That was also the case in the pre-COVID. That you run? We run.
0: Not community members?
1: Not community members. We run, we coordinate and run.
0: 200 events.
1: We run our own events. Yeah. So when I started Asana, there were no events. By the end of year one, I think there were around 60 or 70. By year two, there were 150 and... Last year, we were around 200.
0: Wow. How big is the team that runs that?
1: It's actually managed by one person.
0: One person runs over 200 events.
1: One person coordinates them, and then my entire team is responsible for staffing them.
0: Got it. Cool.
1: Yeah. So we've created like scalable templates. So each event is not wholly unique. We repeat the same series of events for different cities. So we spent a lot of time building out our format, building out our templates so that it would be repeatable and let us achieve scale, which it has. And what's great about this is we can repeat our event series basically turnkey anytime we want to. Yeah. And it lets us move into new cities really easily. We already have all of the email templates ready to go. We use Bevy to manage those events, just as we do with our member-hosted events. It just makes things easier. We have whole sets of Asana projects that are like one-click, create an event series, makes it really easy for us to do that. And so while it may seem like, wow, how does one person run 200 events. The mechanics of it are largely managed by our systems. It took us some time to set all of that up, of course. And we're constantly tweaking and adjusting things. But yes, our main event series, Asana Together World Tour, is run by us. The difference between those and our member-hosted events, the Asana Together World Tour events are branded. So there's a higher level of fidelity and polish than what we might expect from member-hosted events. We also come to our events with lots of swag. We are able to do panel discussions that we host where we invite our customers directly, typically customers that like names you may have heard of to help draw in crowds. So they're meant to be a slightly bigger scale. Mm-hmm. Additionally, when we do our events and we do workshops, which are hands-on, bring your laptop, here's how you use a sauna. we partner with members of our customer success and customer education teams. We facilitate the workshops and act as MC coordinate all of the back-end, all of the registration and check-in, etc., manage the venue. Then our partners actually deliver the training from the education and success side. Right. And then on the flip side, our member-hosted events are meant to be much more informal, more casual. We equip our member hosts with branded templates, suggestions for different types of events that they can host, marketing support. We also give them access to our members-only swag store so they can order swag for their own events. And it's different swag than what we would provide at Asana-hosted events. So if someone came to our hosted event and went to a member-hosted event, they wouldn't get the same stuff. It would be different, depending on what the member wanted to bring to their own event. And so we feel with this strategy, we're able to cover a lot of bases.
0: That's really cool. Hi, everyone. Anne-Marie dinkle here, event manager at CMX, and I am crashing this podcast to cordially invite you all to CMX Summit 2021 Rise. On August 31st through September 2nd, join seasoned practitioners, emerging leaders, and industry experts for three jam-packed days of speakers, hands-on workshops,
1: and networking with the world's largest group of community builders
0: everything you need to
1: rise up and thrive.
0: Head over to cmxhub.com to RSVP now. See you there. What are the different formats? So it sounds like you have a workshop format. Is there like a set bunch of formats that you have that you host or that members host?
1: Yeah, so... For members, they basically host all sorts of things. They have hosted workshops, they've hosted their own panel discussions, they've hosted essentially classes and lectures. They're welcome to host whatever type of event they feel best suits both their passions and expertise, along with the needs of their local audience. So we support them and we'll help facilitate ideas, but really what they host is up to them. We don't keep tight controls that. For us, we have a a series of formats. Basically, we have panel discussions, which are not so much about Asana, but are more about thought leadership in the work collaboration and management space, like how to work together better, what's the future of work look like, what does return to office look like, these types of topics. And we change them to make sure we're staying relevant over time. Usually for those, we go to a given city, well, well in the before times, hopefully in the future times. Yeah. We're also doing all these virtually, so it's similar in format, just different in execution. Usually we'll have three or four panelists. One of my team who we've trained to be moderators will moderate the panel. And those are really great because they foster a lot of community activation. And especially in person, when we get two or 300 people in a room, that's where you really get that buzz of people talking to each other, being excited about Asana. It's fantastic. We usually follow those with a couple of days of workshops, which are hands-on how to use Asana. And those workshops are a couple of hours each as I mentioned, someone from our success or education team comes along, they actually run the training because they're product experts and they can answer all the questions that our customers might have. Right. We've also, during the pandemic, experimented with additional formats that are more informal. So we've done things using GatherRound, which are more person-to-person, like let's have a topic. Those have been really successful. Those are formats we've been experimenting with for the entirety of the past year and a half. In the future... We don't yet know what our events will look like. We're, we're hoping that there will be some in-person events in the near-ish term still. Changing. Seems like it's coming back. Yeah, I hope so. I really miss it. I know my team really misses it. Yeah. We've also seen really different types of success with virtual events. So yeah. we know that both will be part of our mix in the future. What that will look like, I wish I could say. I don't know.
0: Yeah, that's the general gist I'm hearing from a lot of people. Like We know we're going to do in person, but we're not going to completely get rid of virtual because that brought some unique value as well. Yeah. Even for CMX Summit, we're going to try to do a little bit of a hybrid of like local hubs that are smaller events. But I hope by next year, we'll have CMX Summit fully back in person.
1: I hope so as well. I, there's a ton of value to virtual events and certainly sure, lower cost, greater reach. I would not say greater reach. i say different reach. It, different. it has a different effect. And there's always going to be a place for in-person events. Yeah. I've read about the death of in-person events for the entirety of the past year. And <laughs>
0: yeah, that's all wrong. I don't
1: know anyone that's actually looking forward to attending another virtual event <laughs> or know. webinar. Yeah. I predict that there will be both in the future.
0: I agree. I agree. On the events, who are the attendees of these events? Are they all customers? Are they prospects? Are they leads? Kind of all of the above, depending on the format?
1: It's all of the above. So... We market these really broadly, both to our existing email channels, along with social. Um, We also partner with different venues and they market to their own channels as well. And so we get a mixture of people there. These are really great opportunities for us to partner with sales and customer success. So if we're going to a given city, we can say to the salespeople that and the CS people that have customers in that region, Hey, call down your prospect list. Have them come to our panel discussion so they can hear about how Asana and our customers are thinking about a given topic. And then you can meet with them after. If you're on CS and you have customers that are actually in that region, invite them and their teams to attend our workshops. So it's a really nice way for us to partner with these different teams and groups across the company. We don't always know exactly who is going to be in the room, but since we have the list of attendees, we can share these with our internal teammates so that they can then figure out how they want to best use these events to reach their own goals internally.
0: Totally. One thing that's really impressive is how you've been able to scale up to over 200 events with one person managing that program. There's this whole world of community operations that's growing now, which kind of tackles these kinds of questions. is For community professionals who are used to doing everything very manually, can we automate more of these processes? Can we make them more repeatable? So like, how did you go about doing that? Do you have someone on your team that's responsible for community operations? Is this something you're like continuously working on? Is automating or creating processes that are more repeatable?
1: I am very lucky to be at a company that's very process-oriented. I mean, our, our whole tool is built for work management.
0: I guess your tool is built for that. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: <laughs> this is probably the first company I've been at where we use our own product all day long. And so a lot of us are already thinking in this work management, how do we make things more repeatable? How do we streamline mindset? And things like events lend themselves really well to creating repeatable templates and processes. I don't think you need to reinvent the wheel every time if you found a format that works for you. And so once we did find a format that worked, we actually, I sat down with my teammate Logan who coordinates all of our events. We built out the template, we refined it, we continue to refine it over time. And now it's something that we can easily repeat and redo. And everyone on our team understands the template and the format. All of our cross-functional partners understand the template and format. We built a process by which where every week there's a standup where for whatever events are happening in a given region, we check in, we look at the template to see what tasks are due see where everyone is at, what they need to work on. And so it it makes it really easy to have these events happen at scale when we have this process behind the scenes that runs the work, essentially. Yeah. And so we are continually looking at ways of making that happen across the entirety of our community program. One of the things that we look at on the membership side is how can we automate the process or streamline the process of taking an applicant and bringing them all the way through their journey to becoming a member. And so Tim, who is another person on our team, works really well in Asana. He's like an absolute pro. And so he's constantly looking for ways to automate manual processes in Asana, integrate other tools to make things easier for the process to work better. And so this is a continual thing that we're doing. We added a community associate in the past year or so whose job it is, is to support a lot of these more manual processes, but also look for ways to streamline things too. So this is something that's always on the minds of our team. One of the things that we're constantly looking at, how do we streamline is our reporting. We have mm. income or, uh, inputs from many different sources. And so looking for ways to take all of our inputs for reporting, figure out ways to automate what that reporting can look like, And make sure they're reporting on the right things and then putting them in a dashboard that makes it easier for everyone to understand those things is one of our ongoing projects. In the past six months, we've been really fortunate to onboard someone on our analytics team who's dedicated to the entirety of the engagement team, both the community and the lifecycle world. And working with them is an absolute game changer. I have never in my life been lucky enough as a community professional to have someone for analytics dedicated to work with my team. And I never thought it would happen because it's like a whole headcount devoted to this work. And that just speaks to the importance of how Asana looks at what community can and should do. But having that level of data rigor is helping us think about not just what are we looking at, but what can and should we do in the future? And so having people that are experts, whether it's someone who's an expert in Asana and how to automate... Or someone who's an expert in events and how to streamline templates. Or someone who's an expert in data and how to look at reporting more effectively. These are things we're always continually working on. That, that piece of the operations work, it's never, ever done.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's definitely a luxury to be able to have as a community team.
1: Yeah, I do not take it for granted at all.
0: <laughs> but we're seeing more teams start to hire for those kinds of skill sets and... I mean, traditionally, a lot of community professionals are people like me who aren't good at process and operations. We just like hanging out with people. Um, But I think we're starting to see more people come into the community profession that are focused on those kinds of systems. Because when we're talking about building community for businesses like this, we're talking about doing it at this really large scale. And it becomes less and less about just personally talking to people and more about how do you create systems so that... You can be running the amount of events or the amount of programs, or you can have thousands of applications come in and be able to process them efficiently at the scale of a company like Asana.
1: Well, yeah. And I think this even goes through all the way to like member engagement. Like Kimberly on my team, she's responsible for managing our global engagement program. And she's constantly looking for ways for how can we experiment with an engagement tactic? And then how can we scale it to our counterparts all around the world. We have people running community now in Europe, in Japan, and in APAC. And everyone needs to be essentially doing the same things out in the world. But how they do them is tweaked to make things relevant for their local audiences. So our challenge is really how do we operationalize the best of what's working across the board and still have things be tailorable enough within regions so that Akiko, who's in Tokyo, can run things the way that she needs to for the needs of the community that we're building in Japan. Yeah, and so as communities grow in scale, like these are some of the challenges and opportunities that are surfacing themselves for us, and it, it's super, super interesting.
0: Yeah, I love that stuff. I'm curious to just get a quick rundown of your team structure. You mentioned like analytics, engagement. You have an associate working on operations. So, like, how is your team structured right now?
1: So I can't go into all the details because we're a public company, but I can say we have teammates that are focused on core pillars of how a community could work. So we have recruitment, engagement, events, and then we have teammates around the world that handle those functions as well, along with resources like community associate to handle a lot of the ops and coordination and data analytics.
0: Okay. So it sounds like kind of like content and engagement on one side and then more of like the operations and analytics on the other side.
1: I don't think of it for my team as sides. It all works together. So all of these teammates work together to make the program go. So it's not like the content sits irrespective of the recruitment. Like it all is designed to work together. So for instance, we just did a revamp of our community web pages, and both of those teams work together to make that happen.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, so it's integrated, but I just like putting things into mental buckets to understand them.
1: It's all integrated. I think if there's any one way I would I would define our community program is that all of it is integrated together. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, if we build a community program, it's just a, a pool of people who are excited about Asana, and so we can use the excitement that they have and connect those people to us and our program and how our program works in a myriad set of ways.
0: Right. Do you have specific people focused on events versus forums or do people manage both?
1: Yeah. So we have a forums team because I feel like within the world of community, that's a very established and specialized skill area. And I want people who are absolute experts working on that. And then events, not everyone likes doing events. And so it takes a special type of person to really be passionate about them. And not just here's the events we have today, but here's what we could create for the future. Mm -hmm. So we have an events subgroup.
0: Yeah. One more question on the event side, I just thought of too, based on kind of this integration of community and marketing. Is marketing also running events? Like, does the community team handle all events or are there different events run by different teams within the org?
1: Very good question. So, there were no events at Asana for the most part before I got to Asana. Now, there are many types of events handled by different teams. So, there are other groups within marketing that run. Different types of events. There are ones that are more for demand gen or lead gen. Those are run by a completely separate revenue marketing team. There's also events that are run by the sales and CS teams for different purposes. And then there's like broader events that are more like D and I focused. And so those all those events are not managed by my team. All the events that are managed by my team fall under the community umbrella. So we don't have, for instance, like um, revenue targets associated with our events because they're not designed to do demand or lead gen. although they do have impact on pipeline, which is a byproduct of the event. But that's not the sole focus.
0: What is the sole focus of the event?
1: The focus of the event is really to generate like social content as well as applications for our program.
0: What do you mean applications for your program?
1: So we want new members. And as a byproduct of our events, people sign up, apply to become a member of our ambassador program, for instance. Oh,
0: got it. So you use events as a way to drive engagement in other programs. Mm-hmm. But then the ambassador program is meant to drive leads, or no?
1: None of our programs are meant to drive leads.
0: Wow. How does marketing
1: feel about that? <laughs> um, I mean, there's a completely separate team within marketing that's designed to drive leads. Okay. So remember, I'm in marketing. Marketing does many things, including driving leads. For us, like there's a brand component to what Asana does. Yeah. And a large part of our work, it's very similar to any other branding exercise, like creating blog posts or sending emails or having a brand campaign. The community program is designed to drive brand awareness, excitement, and engagement with our brand. Mm-hmm. And so while there are byproducts of our work, including creating leads, impact on pipeline, engagement with the product, retention, all of those things are not the core focus of our work. But again, we report on all of those because we know that there's impact. And so our core goal is really brand awareness and engagement with the brand.
0: And you measure that in terms of like engagement in the programs? So if people attend events, you consider that brand awareness?
1: Well, in part. I mean, it's not the only thing that we measure. But yes, that is part of it.
0: What are other things that you measure to speak directly to brand awareness?
1: Yeah. So we look at social reach of member-created content. We look at engagement within the program itself. So how many people are connecting with other members within our different channels that we provided to them. So again, it's that program health and business impact. And there's always both that
0: we look at. Right. Those sound similar to me in the way you're describing it though, right? Like program health being people participating in the events or forums and business impact is reach, which is... Also, sort of described as people participating in the programs and forums and spaces, right?
1: Well, there's things in the program that are visible internally only to the people in the program, and there's things that they share externally. So, we look at the external measure is social shares, reach, content creation, inclusion in our brand campaigns, like things that can be seen by other people. Versus how many people attended an event is an internal health measurement
0: right. of our program. Okay. Right, that makes sense.
1: And they're connected. There's no way to look at them without looking at the connection between them. But they're not the same. They don't look at exactly the same things in terms of the result. That's cool.
0: That's cool. I haven't seen too many programs that are community programs that are focused on like brand awareness and reach specifically. That makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think most community programs that I've seen are focused on support deflection or sales leads. Yes. Which a part of our program is the forum Mm -hmm. part in part. But not only. This is why I'm waiting for the community world to look at what's possible, the expansiveness of what's possible. Because we've had tools that drive us in the direction of forms are the thing. And the things that forms can easily measure and connect to are things around support deflection. Yeah. But to me, that's, there's so much more. And so do we have all the answers here of like how to figure out how to measure all of those things? No, but I think we're getting pretty close. And I'm excited to see more programs like this in the future. Honestly, when I talk to other community professionals, I feel like kind of an oddball because I haven't met anyone that runs a program like this uh, where there's so many different elements. But to me, I don't see how you could not want to run a program like this because there's so much that's possible. Yeah,
0: I agree. I think we need to break away from the definition of community as forums, which is still something that when they say community, they immediately think it's an online forum or message board. But it's really anywhere where you're connecting people to each other or empowering people to create for each other. And that's both events, forums, asynchronous, synchronous, online, offline. There's all these different ways to be able to do that.
1: Yeah, that's why we have all of these things. And yeah, my life is a lot more complicated because of it. But it's more interesting this way. And I think we're meeting people where they are more effectively than if we had just focused on building out the forum. Yeah. The forum is really built out and it is great. And it's one element of a much broader strategy.
0: Totally. Is there like engagement on any social platforms worked into this as well? Like any external platforms?
1: I mean, we look at reach, but we don't look at engagement because there's a completely separate social team within marketing that looks at social metrics more specifically. We look at social in a very specific way in terms of reach of our member created content.
0: Got it. Cool. That makes sense. Because
1: we're trying to look at like what is the value of these people talking about Asana out in the world versus Asana just talking about itself out in the
0: world. Right. Right. That makes sense. And last question, kind of coming full circle back to that internal PR and kind of tying this into reporting as well. What specifically do you do to report on community internally and what specific information or channels do you use to kind of do that internal PR to get more buy-in and awareness?
1: Yeah. So like I'm the king of internal PR. So anytime there's an opportunity to appear at an all-hands or a company-wide meeting or departmental meeting, I encourage my teammates, I volunteer them to, (laughs) we're going to talk about something that you're doing. Let's talk about what's happening in the community right now. Let's talk about an experiment that you just ran. Let's talk about a win that you just had. So any large public-scale forum, I'm all over it. On a more regular basis, we have a monthly report that we create that is a kind of like a sum of all of the things across the entirety of the program that we're doing. And that gets written into a task in Asana that gets posted to everyone that's following that project. It's also available in a separate Google Doc that people can follow if they want to. But I make it pretty easy for people to find that. Then additionally, once a month, we give a company-wide summary. That's again a status update in Asana of here's what's happening in the membership program and then a separate one that's here's what's happening in the world of events. And with both of those, we make sure to include all of the local and regional stats from each of our regional teammates that are handling things in Europe or APAC or Japan. So it has a really global feel. But mostly I want the posts to include things about our members, like show us posts that members have created on social, show us pictures of their events. So it's less about us and more about what our members are doing and achieving out in the world. That's
0: great. Just to clarify, what constitutes a member?
1: These are people who are part of our ambassador or certified pros program. Okay. So this is one of the challenges I have with looking at forums, is that for many companies, anyone who has signed up to their forum or is active in it in any way is a member. Is a member, yeah. To me, those are people who are just like dipping their toe in the water or maybe just needed a question answered. For us, Mm -hmm. our members are people who have raised their hand and said, I want to be part of this Asana thing. So I have gone through the process of applying to your ambassador or certified pros program. I've taken an online course, so I get to know what the member benefits are. And then I'm now part of this family of people where I have special access to my own instance of Asana, where it's just for this program. I have access to Slack channels. I have access to private threads in the form if that's where I want to go. I have access to webinars that are just for community members. So when I say member, I mean, like member, like you've got a card, like that you've signed up for this thing. It's a private thing. You're official. It's open to anybody, but you've gone the extra mile of saying this is something I really want to be part
0: of. Awesome. Okay, cool. All right. Well, it is time for the rapid fire question round. Josh, are you ready? I'm ready. All right. (laughs) All right. First question. What's your go-to pump up song?
1: In the last five years or so, I've been listening to a lot of K-pop. I find it It's great for me to listen to while I'm working because I can't get distracted by lyrics. (laughs) Probably my favorite is like Sorry, Sorry by Super Junior or Ring Ding Dong by Shiny. Yeah.
0: I like it. I'm going to have to try listening to K-pop while I work. I've not tried that yet. It's fun. That's a good recommendation. All right. Next question. What was the coolest news story you ever covered in your time with KPIX?
1: Ooh. I covered a lot of interesting stories, some of them were really awesome. One in fact, helped change laws. So I was working on one about number portability in the olden days before you could take your cell phone number and transfer it to another carrier. We had a story about a woman that was having a lot of problems with her carrier and was trapped and we ran the story and that helped get the eyes of some lawmakers on the problem and so oh wow, we didn't change the law ourselves, but we helped raise awareness of the problem
0: That's great. that's what journalism's all about, yeah. All right. What's the most impactful book you've ever read or a book that you love to give as a gift to others?
1: (laughs) Ever? I don't know. In the last year, maybe. I like reading biographies. And so my favorite one in the past year, I think, was She Came to Slay. This is the book about Harriet Tubman, who is like one of my favorite American icons. I really enjoyed that book. I, I think she's just a really cool person in general. And I thought that was a great telling of her story.
0: That's awesome. I'll have to check it out. I love biographies too. All right. What's a go-to community engagement tactic or conversation starter that you love to use in your communities?
1: I like to use anything food related. Mm. We can talk about the Asana product all day long, but the thing that gets people really excited is food. So when we do events, like one of my icebreakers is, hey, we're in your city. Tell me where to eat. I love burgers. Where's the best burger? This is like instantly head to head. People have opinions Mm -hmm. and it gets people going. So I love that sort of thing.
0: Food is a cheat code.
1: It works. What's your
0: biggest pet peeve in the world of community building?
1: Biggest pet peeve is that a lot of people still think of community as fun or fluff or extra or something that isn't important. We're talking about customers. These are the most important things to a business. And building communities can be fun. The work is fun. And it's a lot of work and it has real impact.
0: Well said. Who in the world of community would you most like to take for lunch?
1: Honestly, I really get inspiration from people that are new to the world of community. I think we've heard from the same handful of leaders over and over again. I like hearing from people that are new that have not yet fully formed ideas about what community can and should be that are not attached to the notion that community is just forums. So to me, those are the most inspiring people that I like to have chats with.
0: I love it. Well, if you're new to community, hit Josh up for lunch. It's on him. Please do. (laughs) But you'll have to recommend the best place to eat. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what's a community product you wish existed?
1: I wish like the Miracle API connector existed. Because when you have a complicated program like mine that spans across many tools... Connecting the dots between them is really hard. Going through all the security reviews to access and connect customer data is really, really challenging. I wish there was like the magic tool that could just handle that for me so that I could get back to the work of achieving business results. Yeah. What
0: tools do you use real quick? What's your stack?
1: Bevy, Partner Stack, Asana, Snowflake. We're experimenting with Common Room right now. There's so Discourse, Slack. It's a lot, and we've tried to reduce our tech stack, but each of them does a different and distinct thing. And so, I want those things, and I want people to go where they want to go as members. But connecting them is really hard. Reporting on them is even harder.
0: Yeah, I know that's what companies like Common Room and Orbit and a few of those different tools, ComSor, they are all trying to solve that problem right now. So yeah, maybe it'll get better. Maybe. Maybe. What's the weirdest community you've ever been a part of?
1: Okay, so I hesitate to call it weird, but like I'm a big geek, like I love genre entertainment. And so I spent a lot of time like at sci-fi conventions and Star Trek conventions and comic book conventions, way before these things were cool and mainstream. And so it may not be weird now, but it was definitely considered weird earlier in my life.
0: Love it. What's one question I didn't ask you that I should have?
1: Why do I do this work?
0: <laughs> Why do you do this work, Josh?
1: Honestly, I'm an introvert. Like I'm the extroverted type of introvert, but I really continue searching for the right community for me. And so I feel by creating community for others, I'm providing that space that I personally am continually looking for.
0: Hmm. I feel that hard. I feel the same. I'm the introverted kind of extrovert. (laughs) I'm an extrovert that's slowly converting into introversion. (laughs) COVID helped. Having a baby helped. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Last question. If you were to find yourself on your deathbed today and you had to give one piece of advice to the rest of the world on how to live from everything that you've learned, what would that advice be?
1: I would say just try to be a yes to a lot of the things that come your way, all the opportunities that are presented to you. I think the default for most people is like, no, not interested, don't have time. By being a yes, I've gone down a really interesting set of paths, not just one path that have led me to where I am now. And I'm sure there'll be many paths in the future. And by being open to things and saying, yes, I've had incredible experiences and I encourage others to do the same.
0: Yeah, I like that. I heard something recently that it's like, I think it was Gary v who was hit or miss with his content, but this one hit. And it was like someone who was saying, they're like having a hard time making decisions. And he was basically saying like, I just make decisions as quickly as possible because like, I want to be... People are trying to be like 100 for 100 in their decisions and always make the right one. He's like, I'm trying to be like 80 and 50. The reality is you can make a lot of decisions and be right about some and be wrong about some other ones. But just saying yes and making the decision and then seeing if it works or not, you'll get a lot farther and you'll learn a lot quicker.
1: Absolutely. I never learn from the right decisions. I only learn from the wrong ones.
0: Right. Yeah. You have no idea. So it's easy to just say yes and then figure out afterward if it was right or wrong. If it's right, great. If wrong, cool. Stop it and do something else. Exactly. Yeah. All right. And lastly, where can people go to learn more about you and follow you and continue to follow all the work you're doing at Asana?
1: Yeah, there's not too many Josh Zirkle's around. So I'm pretty easy to find online. You can find me on Twitter at Joshua Zirkle. Please connect with me on LinkedIn. Easy to find there. And of course, the Asana community, just go to asana.com community.
0: Awesome. Well, Josh, I really appreciate it. You've been a veteran in this space that's always been very generous with your lessons and wisdom. And you've spoken to the CMX community many times and just you always have a unique perspective. You're always challenging the status quo in this space and you've built some of the most established and high functioning teams that I've seen in this industry. So continuing to just be impressed with all the work that you've done and that you're going to continue to do and just grateful for you setting a really great example for the whole industry.
1: I really appreciate that, David. It means a lot coming from you. Thank you so much.
0: Of course. Thanks again for spending the time with me. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next time. The Masters of Community is brought to you by CMX, the world's largest network of community professionals, and Bevy, the enterprise platform powering communities for the world's leading brands. This episode was edited and produced by Finesse Media. Music was provided by Seiji Cataldo.